If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk, and I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Just now, just now connecting to Facebook. Had a little bit of a glitch here this morning, but we are getting it taken care of right now. You can watch the program there. Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. And it is good to be here. Thank you for joining us. You know, I want to talk today. I don't want to shift gears a little bit, maybe slightly. Um, but I want to take <clears throat> maybe a half a step back here as we look at what's happening around us in this great nation, in this great nation. And I've been thinking about how I want to say this, and I think I want to say it like this. I think I want to say that almost overnight, almost overnight, some Americans and elected officials seem to have forgotten that government derives its power its power to govern from the people, and instead they have chosen to believe that people derive their liberty from the government. Let me say that again, because I think this is a, I think this is this is obvious in this battle. And of course, we're moving now. Many states, you see, I just saw a graphic that Fox News put up as it's running in the background here this morning. But this graphic. That shows the number of uh, states that are moving towards reopening. So we are seeing that. And of course, there are now predi- uh, predictions and projections from some of these models that show increases in the number of deaths from COVID-19 as a result of people um, not adhering to social distancing Guidelines and so forth, and that's that's an important word in there as well. Guidelines. Um, no, I I think we need to. Well, we need to. There is a legitimate, obviously, a, a legitimate concern about coronavirus, COVID nineteen, and I'm not trying to suggest. I'm not even trying to suggest that some of the actions taken, or you know, even even many, have been completely unjustifiable. The government does have a have an interest in protecting the health and 
well-being of citizens. But typically sick people, sick people are quarantined to prevent the healthy from getting sick. Now we have the healthy being quarantined along with the sick. And in places like California, no one, whether sick or healthy, is able to see the sunset or the sunrise. Now, this is changing. I mean, it, California, I, I read stories that show, on the one hand, they're loosening restrictions. On the other hand, you have to have the permission from the governor to watch the sunrise. Well, he's he's granted that to you. That was in their list of things that the government said were acceptable, watching a sunrise and watching a sunset. So in a sense, we're all over the board here. But I want to go back to what I said off the top. Almost overnight... Some Americans and elected officials seem to have forgotten that government derives its power to govern from the people, right? We the people. That's how this thing started, folks. We the people of the United States. Constitution lays this out. The Declaration lists a series of grievances against King George, and it shows his abuses of power, his unwillingness to... um, to respect, to acknowledge, recognize the liberties and freedoms that the colonists, the colonists had, not from the king, not from, not from England, not from some other person, but instead from their creator. And instead, instead, these folks believe that people now derive their liberty from the government. And that's, that's our problem, I think, in a nutshell. And it's, it's, Look, we can have differing, I guess, viewpoints on how to manage coronavirus, but in there, we have to have this concept of of liberty, and I feel like that's been completely ignored by some people. And when I say freedom, I mean freedom of, of course, the individual. That also includes freedom of the business owner. You You see people now, in fact, I want to talk about a couple of these things. I want to talk about, let me pull up my list here, my list here. There's, I, you may have seen this. I saw this uh, first on uh, Tucker, Tucker Carlson, and bear with me here. This isn't, the link's not working. Let me try this again. Here we go. Link, or this, uh, I saw this first on Tucker Carlson. This is in Maine. This story is in the Washington Times. It says, pub owner loses license after Tucker Carlson tonight appearance. It's called the Sunday River Brewing Company. At the time, at the time of the interview that he had with Tucker Carlson, there were, I believe, 53 deaths in the state of Maine from coronavirus. Now, again, as I've said before, we're all created in the image of God, and that individual life, no matter who that is, no matter the age, the race, the gender, you know, the way that the superficial left wants us to look at everything now. What, regardless of all that, regardless of religion, race, gender, ethnicity, sexual preference, orientation, whatever other uh, differentiating factor they can try to wedge between, between Americans, every single human life, every single human life has immense value. I mean, it's, Again, from the Christian worldview, the Christian perspective, every single life in the mind of God justified his coming to earth and dying for that person, 
for that person to reunite, to reconcile that relationship. So I just want to say that off the top. And and again, I know that we say these things. I feel like I have to say these things too much. But people intentionally and sometimes unintentionally want to uh, misconstrue words here. But not just here, but anywhere. Fifty-three were, or fifty-three people had had died of coronavirus in the state of Maine uh, when Tucker Carlson had this pub owner on. His name's Rick Savage. Great name, by the way, Rick Savage, who has been acting metaphorically savage when it comes to the government in Maine and how he's been dealing with them. He said, "Look, we've been shut down, shut down for prolonged periods of time." Again. Starting to, you know, seeming to come from the position where, you know, understanding where the government was when this began and their thinking. But now he's basically saying, look, we can't function. We understand now, you know, social distancing. We're set up inside to be able to socially distance from one another. You know, we can, we can reopen. We've been cleaning things and, we can continue to clean things in such a way as to keep it a, a safe environment. And there's been 53 deaths in Maine. And while that's sad, incredibly sad that 53 people have died, you know, he, his point is we, we, have, we don't have a massive problem here like other places do. And so... I'm going to reopen my restaurant, my pub, he says. And he did. He did that, of course. The authorities come in. I think he said he opened at, I don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday, opened at 12 or some, you know, sometime in the, in the middle of the day. And by 4.30, 5 o'clock, something like this, the authorities show up and they take away, they take away, um, which they take away a, a license that allows him to operate. Um, yeah, they, they took his liquor license. And so suddenly it's illegal for this guy to operate. And he's being fined or going to be fined every, um, every day that he doesn't comply. But he says, I'm still staying open. So... These are – this is an example. Again, if you can stay socially distanced in a grocery store, if you can stay socially distanced in a grocery store and that grocery store remain open, if you can say stay socially distanced in a pharmacy and that pharmacy can remain open, take your pick. I mean any number of things. If you can do these things, which we've been able to do from the beginning – and we know that not every single person that's gone into a grocery store has contracted coronavirus. People have been going to the grocery store around the country, thank heavens. Even though we're seeing dramatic dramatic uh, shortages of some, some items because of the disruption caused by coronavirus, um, we've been able to operate and to do that. And if we can do that, to his point, and this is what we have to come to grips with, and this is something that sometimes, I don't know, I don't know if people just don't want to accept this, if they believe that there's some sort of a security blanket in the government picking and choosing who can be open. But at some point, at some point, what 
philosophical differences there between being socially distanced in a restaurant versus being socially distanced in a grocery store. I would like for I would like for some um, health official to explain that. It's kind of like the whole thing with hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine has been a safe drug uh, when administered for lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and malaria since 1955. 1955. Suddenly, suddenly, and there's, this is just disingenuous to me. I, I haven't read the studies, nor am I a doctor to probably interpret some of this stuff. But remember, some of these studies got shut down because of the dangers of hydroxychloroquine. Because what, suddenly, suddenly now it's dangerous because it's being used to treat a different ailment when it's been safe, when used to treat things like malaria, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus? It just doesn't make sense to me. I've asked people about this, and people told me that people in the medical world have said that there should be no difference unless there's a dramatic increase in dosage or... Or if you're using it in conjunction with another drug that you wouldn't have used it in conjunction with uh, concerning, you know, its treatment of lupus and those other other ailments I've mentioned. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's almost, I've said on this program before, as though they're cheering against hydroxychloroquine. And I think that they are. I think they are because President Trump had touted it from the from the podium. They were going to make sure. I, it's, I, I, I don't think you can convince me otherwise, but some folks are going to make sure that drug doesn't get credit. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I believe people act ridiculously when it comes to things in politics today. Again, everything is political. Everything is political, including how you treat this terrible disease of COVID-19. And so as we look at safety, as we look at dealing with you know, the government's legitimate concerns on protecting public health. We also cannot forget, as I think many have during this process, a paramount, uh, well, something that's paramount, a foundational principle, which is liberty. Again, as I said off the top, and I'll take a break here, almost overnight, some Americans and elected officials, we can name them from Bill de Blasio to some of the things we've seen from Governor Newsom, Governor Cuomo in the state of New York, Newsom, of course, California, uh, some of the things we've seen from the mayor of Chicago, some of the things we've seen from Governor Whitmer in the state of Michigan. I mean, there's, there's lots of examples that go around, but some Americans and elected officials seem to have forgotten that government derives its power to govern from the people, and instead they've chosen to believe that people derive their liberty from the government. This is an important bedrock principle, and I want to talk about this today, but I've got to, got to take a time out. Listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk, I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Talking about liberty, which is something that has been altogether forgotten. Now, of course, some of you might take issue with the fact that I've said almost overnight, metaphorically overnight, people have seemed uh, to forgotten. People have seemed to have forgotten that government derives its power to govern from the people, 
and you'd say, Todd, they've been uh, lied to about that or misled about that or have believed that government <clears throat> you know, derives its power from itself. They don't believe that government derives its power from the people. That's something that we've people have believed for a long time erroneously that the government uh, doesn't get its power from the people and i would agree with that in part but i i do think that there's something to be said about how this has expedited coronavirus and our response to it has expedited people's willingness to just throw liberty to the wayside reminds me of the saying the the, the maxim the quote that Ben Franklin uttered when he said those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Now, this this is – look, the, the government has an interest in public health, and you've heard me on here even talking about – there are examples – um, just like there are extreme examples when we say go to war or face a national security threat or something really dramatic where certain powers are extended to ex- the executive branch of government, be, be that the federal branch or in the case of states, the uh, you know the governor, for example. So the president at the at the federal level, the Uh, governors at the state level. But these things, again, have to be temporary, well-defined. The the objective needs to be super clear, and the amount of infringement upon rights have to be minimal as well. So I've mentioned this main restaurant. What about this? State of Virginia. State of Virginia um, has a problem with churches, with churches being open. Heck, I don't know. The state of Virginia may have a problem with churches being open at any time, but they're at least voicing that concern, voicing those problems right now. Looking at a Fox News article, the Justice Department, the federal Justice Department, think uh, William Barr, is siding with a Virginia church. Good, by the way. The Virginia, uh, Virginia church is suing Governor Ralph Northam. Governor of Virginia, after police threatened a pastor with jail time or a $2,500 fine for violating the state's coronavirus lockdown restrictions by holding a 16-person church service on Palm Sunday. 16 people. 16 people in a church, if you, uh, if you read the article here, that has enough, that's large enough to fit 293 people. So, This was a church service on April 5th, which was Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. 16 people were there, socially distanced. The government in the state of the Commonwealth of Virginia um, basically said that they're going to – that's not allowed and that they're going to arrest and or fine the pastor for holding service. Now, you might say people shouldn't be going to church. You might say somehow that that is uh, endangering the life of someone else. And look, here's the difficulty with this. Number one, we have a thing called the freedom of religion, right? The freedom of religion, First Amendment, it's in there. 
It's in there. By the way, what's not in there is this concept. Well, I don't want to say it's not in there. I don't want to get into this this morning. Never mind. Let me let me pause and and not go down that path this morning. But let me let me let me say this. The First Amendment contains within it some some of the again, I don't want to say most important, but you know, some of the most vital, some of the most personal freedoms that we have, what we believe or about worshiping God, whether or not there's an existing God exists and how we choose to relate to him or not relate to him. We have the freedom to do that. What we say, what we think, our concerns about the government. And you've seen you've seen infringement upon this as well. They don't want people on um, you know, saying things about the government that are contrary, that call into question some of these stay-at-home orders. Now, most of the time, most of the time, this is uh, social media companies do the bidding of government. So there's a degree of, well, it's the rules of their platform. It's not the government silencing you. But if the government uh, is is pr- is pressuring or is encouraging social media platforms to silence people um, for expressing their political beliefs or religious beliefs or ex- exercising free speech in, in general. Um, it becomes a little bit uh, – the, the waters are quickly muddied as to whether or not uh, that is in fact coming from a state or, or excuse me, a private or a um, government perspective, which of course means dramatically different things. But the point is, the point is, is that we've seen this erosion, this assault on some of the most fundamental liberties, including here in this example in the, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the Commonwealth of Virginia, the ability to assemble, the freedom to assemble. That's in the First Amendment as well. Again, 16 people socially distanced. The question is if they are, if they're at a grocery store, if 16 people happen to coincidentally pull into the grocery store at the same time, walk into the grocery store and shop at the same time and stayed six feet apart, socially distanced themselves at the same time, they wouldn't be stopped from doing that. So why is the government picking one over the other? Well, Todd, well, Todd, eating is a necessity, having food for your family. Going to church is not. Well, um, I would tell you that there are some that disagree with that. In fact, the Bible says that man does not live on bread alone, but on every mouth that proceeds from the mouth, uh, every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So, look, the problem is we want a one-size, there are people who want a one-sized-fits-all solution. And they want to be able to tell people, you can do this, you can't do that. And that's where this begins to unravel quickly. And they'll say, well, if this person gets sick, then it's going to affect me because I could get sick. To which, really, the answer is if you're concerned about getting sick that much, you have choices, too, that you can make. And those choices can be stay home. I mean, it's not a pleasant answer, but neither is. Neither is telling people that they can't live their lives. Neither is telling people that they can't go and worship God. Neither is telling people that they can't operate their businesses. You've seen people, 
hairstylists, I've seen a couple who have said, look, we cannot operate or, you know, I can't sit here anymore. I'm going to start taking customers and you see people come and I think I've seen one of them in handcuffs. I don't, I don't even know. They're at least fined, but they're stopped from doing it. So you have, you just think about this. You have a person, the hairstylist, who obviously knows and understands the risks. You have someone who willingly comes in to her shop in this case, who who understands the risk and what's going on in society about coronavirus. They both freely engage in an activity, in this case, cutting hair. Neither one is, you know, defrauded or lied to or misled. That's really the role of government. You know, if if we have if one side is lying to the other, then the government can step in and say that that's a violation. That's a violation of contract law or uh, you're, you're defrauding the individual. You know, I'm selling you X amount, X number of pounds of of some food or whatever, and you're really not selling them that that amount. That's a violation of law. You're seeking to defraud. But if if two people come together, I'm going to provide the service of cutting your hair. Someone else says, I'm willing to let you do that at this price. You sit down in the chair, and suddenly law enforcement officials show up saying that neither of you should be able to do that because you might pass coronavirus to one another. You might pass coronavirus, thereby threatening other people. But again, if you already have it, I mean, and you don't know you have it and you go out, you're social, uh, socially distanced, which is supposed to prevent us from getting this in the first place. Are the social distancing policies not working? Are they not telling us all the correct information? I mean, what really, how does this, I mean, how do we all add this up? If they want to take that risk on themselves at some point, at some point, and I'm not, I do understand that there's a, at least a case to be made from those who say that this is a public health threat. But look, at some point, the threat that's being, um, if you want to look at it this way, the threat that's being created there is between the two people engaging in the activity. They may both know that they don't have it. They may, I mean, who knows? Who knows any number of things? But they willingly decide to do it. And suddenly there's been a shift. There's been a shift in the minds of people. And they've forgotten, this includes elected officials, that government derives its power to govern from the people. They should not believe that people derive their liberty from the government. Liberty comes from God. This is a fundamentally important truth. So, got to take a break here. Oz has told me a couple of times that it's time to take a break. She would be right, and I've got to take a break, come back. I want to continue talking about this and get into some other things uh, that we're doing here to try to, I think, help with this problem. So, quick timeout. We'll return to, uh, to this conversation after the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, so I've listed some of the examples, some of the examples here 
that have happened all around the country and and are happening even as even as we speak around the country and this is again it's it's i think proof that people have forgotten that government derives its power to govern from the people i think that we've collectively forgotten this and as i've said on this program before and i'll say again we have to find a way we as i'm talking to our my conservative brothers and sisters out there today we conservative constitutional conservatives i may have said con, uh, conservative christians i include those in the group but just conservatives you can be conservative atheist if you if you want my conservative brothers and sisters out there we have to find a way we have to find a way to persuade people explain to people what is really at risk here you know the united states in america of america is the greatest nation in the history of the world and it is so because of ideas and if we deviate from those those ideas long enough and if we venture far enough away from those ideas and the associated ideals then eventually if what it if it was in fact an idea a series of ideas that made america great if we abandon those ideas it stands to reason that america's greatness will crumble right i mean it's it's not this isn't rocket science this isn't something that's impossible for the average person to comprehend what we're dealing with, though, is a series of distractions, a series of uh, things that make people you know, terrified. Some of these things are legitimate fears. Coronavirus is a legitimate fear. Uh, you may say it's, it's disproportionate in the sense of how much overreaction governments have overreacted. We can have that discussion, but it's a, it is a legitimate concern and, and fear for people. But the question is what must we do? What is our responsibility in in fighting this? Because other things are at play here as well, right? I mean, liberty being one of those front and center. And so it's because of this, and I can't say it's specifically because of coronavirus because I've long wanted to do this. But I have focused on this um, since, I would say, beginning of December, maybe the end of November. We have been working on um, what we're calling CNBU, Conservative Not Bitter University. And so we've been developing, working on, and still are developing a series of courses, practical courses. I'm not talking, this isn't going to be a lot of theoretical Stuff. This is practical stuff. How we can be more persuasive. How we can have conversations about sensitive issues, political issues, without ruining the relationship. Some of the techniques that I've developed, whether it's back in school at American University when I was, when it was me versus the class, or whether it's uh, some of my experiences. I don't know. I was I served on a school board for for four years um, as a right out when I was out of college, right out of college. And whether it's, um, you know, we have 
there's some other stories, examples of uh, I've got a liberal Democrat who's been uh, who's worked with us as a salesperson for some time. And I'll never forget the time she told me, Todd, I could never vote for a conservative, but I could support you. And it blew my mind because that's, of course, not true. She could support many other conservatives as well. She just had candidly. Uh, the thoughts of conservatives have been – who conservatives are have been demonized so much that I was just able to connect with her through the opportunity I had. And so instead of saying, oh, all conservatives aren't like you know how I've been told that they are, then it was suddenly Todd's different. You have people like this too in your life. Well, conservatives are bad people, terrible people, but Bob or Susie or whoever, they're okay. Right, and so we have to find a way to 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 use that to explain that, yeah, you know what, there are some conservatives out there who are <laughs> candidly jerks, but there's jerks in any group of people. There's groups of jerks in the church. There's groups of jerks in nonprofits. There's group of uh, groups of jerks in government. There's, well, they kind of congregate there in many instances. There's groups of jerks uh, in the Little League soccer, football, all this stuff, right? That's just jerks live where jerks live and do what they do. Um, but they are still they are still the exception to the rule um, with, with, of course, a, f- a couple of caveats there. If uh, certain industries or professions uh, are designed for people who will have been, I guess, hijacked by people. And you could say politics is one of those. That's why it's the swamp. I've been hijacked by people who don't have any desire to be good. Instead, they want to use their, their power and authority to lord it over, over other people, to take away liberty, to build their own fortunes, whatever, to consolidate their power, to stay in power for as long as possible. This has been this has happened throughout the course of all history, but in particular, we can see it here in, of course, American American history. But these courses that we're developing are designed to help us actually move the needle. Not a bunch of theoretical stuff. It's practical stuff. It's practical tips. It's practical things, you know, uh, how to tips on raising conservative children. How do how do we how do we do that? And I want to be careful. I mean, we try to do that here, but it doesn't mean that uh, there won't be an example or a time when a child ventures off into something that the parent that happens, right? I'm not going to say that this is foolproof people still have their own choices but how do we how do we communicate to minimize uh, some of these associated problems that come from our not being able to be good communicators or to share the conservative message effectively or to overcome the demonization many times that we face in in other aspects of of culture society media in particular and so we've developed these courses it's called Conservative Not Bitter University, CNBU. It's your online conservative training academy of sorts. And so all I'm asking here is for those who have an interest in learning more about this, you can text us, text the word course to 888-111, and you'll get information on this uh, once we once we get it finalized. I'll be working on finishing the next course, hopefully here um, later this month or so, but you can text 888-111, text the word course. You'll get information on that course. You'll also, 
You'll also get uh, one free class, one free class, and you can kind of test drive it, so to speak, and see what you think. But this is designed to move the needle. I mean, I think, think, think total money makeover from Dave Ramsey. This has been my, an inspiration of mine for 15 years, is to do for conservative politics, the Constitution, conservative principles, constitutional conservatism, and understanding of American history, to do, to do for those things what Ramsey's done for basic financial literacy. That's really the goal here. This isn't about highfalutin, highbrow, highly intellectual, theoretical stuff. This is about how do we make a difference on the ground? How do I become a more effective, persuasive conservative in the workplace, at home, at school, wherever that might be, church? I don't know. How do I get people to understand what are some things what are some steps I can use to um, the process whereby I can earn someone's trust or earn their respect enough to be able to speak to them about these things? What's that process look like? When should I avoid it? Those sorts of things is what we're going to tackle. So again, you can text the word course to 888-111. I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. This is an ultra short segment because I was really long last segment in telling you about CNBU, but this is something that's been on my heart, on my mind. Oh, gee, for it's really something that um, I've wanted to do for for 20, well, I'd say 15 years. The dream to start this program was in 1999. I would say that early to mid 2000s is when I started uh, wanting to to provide something to help people in a practical way in these very very important issues. I mean, look, being able to to navigate this with your family, with your coworkers. Uh, one of the questions I get regularly, or most commonly, I should probably say, is what you know. What can I do? Right, I know people realize there's a problem. The problem is that liberalism and big government have marched in and taken over many parts of of this great nation. The ideological heart and soul of America has been hijacked by liberalism, socialism, and these leftist ideologies. How do I stop that? How do I reverse that? What role can I have? Not everybody's going to be a congressman, senator, judge talk show host, you know, blogger, whatever. And that's fine. We all have our our roles, our gifts. We have to find out how to maximize those. And so that's really what we're trying to do. Critically important stuff, persuading Americans one at a time in our circle, our, our sphere of influence. That's all we can do when you get down to it. And yes, there may be some things that you can do beyond that uh, that we can look at. But we got to start where we are. That's what CNBU does, and I would love it if you uh, joined us to learn more about it. Again, do you can do so by texting the word "course" C O U R S E course to eight 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 one one one. Got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. 
Welcome back. Waning moment, mo- moments of hour number one today. I should mention too, should have mentioned this earlier, but today our email newsletter, free email newsletter, is going to be going out. Semi-sweet morsels of truth, which is conservative, not bitter. Semi-sweet, just exactly right. Just right. So you can uh, still sign up to get that as well. And, and by the way, if you sign up to get that, uh, by going to com slash subscribe, you'll also get uh, the information I'd been sharing with you about the CNBU. You get a free CNBU class as well uh, once we're launching that here in the not-too-distant fu- uh, distant future. So you can do that as well. Appreciate you taking this ride through hour number one with me today. We'll continue this, this uh, conversation on hour number two. Hour number two. So we'll see you then. SDG guys, thanks a lot.